0: Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our ears and allow us to hear your word to us this day. Send the Holy Spirit that it may mediate for us in this space. Amen. You sit down. Words in the middle of that gospel reading. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that house or town. Did anyone else have a real sense of deja vu as I read that this morning? Well, I did. When I opened the the Bible to read um, ahead of preparing the sermon, I thought, that's last week's, isn't it? (laughs) But, of course, Charles was preaching on a very similar passage only on Sunday. That's that's why it stuck in my head, except Charles had Mark's version to work on, and we are looking at Matthew's today. Matthew, I think, actually has a fairly different take from Mark's, and for your homework, you may go and compare the two later if you wish. But if you can, think back to the one we heard at the weekend. Mark has got this bit where Jesus is sending out the disciples and shaking off the dust from their feet, right after Jesus himself has been rejected in Nazareth. Nazareth even. Prophets, says Jesus, are not without honour except in their hometown. But here, in Matthew's Gospel, there's no rejection at Nazareth. It's not there. What follows from the section we heard today is a whole section about how families will be set, one against another, brother against brother, sister against mother, and all that stuff. But there's no actual rejection of him by the people of his hometown. And so we find that in Matthew, these words are not spoken directly in a context of rejection of Jesus himself. So I wonder what exactly it is that the disciples are supposed to be shaking off because I don't think it's dust and clean feet. But I think if we read it with our Old Testament reading, we get a little bit more of that sense of rejection. We heard today the story of Joseph revealing himself to his brothers. This is, of course, Joseph the dreamer. Joseph, the brother who had the miraculous and the prophetic dreams, and said that one day all his brothers and his father would bow down before him. His brothers didn't like that very much, did they? They were jealous. And when Joseph was given that famous technicolour dream coat by his father, marked out as the favourite amongst brothers, well, those brothers had quite simply had enough. And whilst they were out minding the sheep, they knocked him over the head, planning to kill him, but eventually decided that selling him into slavery was probably more profitable in the end. Joseph could have, perhaps he even should have, have hated his brothers. He spent years as a slave, then years in prison, before finally being put in charge of the famine relief effort by Pharaoh. But instead, what we see is forgiveness. And not only has Joseph forgiven his brothers, he has spent time clearly reflecting on his experiences And he says, God has sent me before you to preserve life because he can see that no matter what has been done in the past, God had used that awful act of the brothers to bring about something good, something life-giving for tens of thousands of people. All those people fed as a result of the brothers' jealousy. And on top of that, Joseph's forgiveness of his brothers allows them to come down to Egypt with their father and all their families. The family that will eventually grow so much in number that it will threaten the Egyptians. And they will become a nation of slaves that eventually God will take out of Egypt and lead into the promised land. Looking back at Genesis, Genesis the word meaning in the beginning. I think you could actually subtitle it, The Trouble with Brothers. I don't know how many of you have brothers that you may not perhaps see eye to eye with, but there's plenty of them in Genesis. Think back, Cain and Abel, chapter four. We know how that ends. And then you have Shem, Ham and Japheth, Noah's sons, who have a disagreement about how they best need to cover up his drunken nakedness, that's chapter nine. Issues of rivalry between Ishmael and Isaac, Abraham's sons, chapter 16. Jacob and Esau come out of the womb pretty much at each other's throats from day one. And Jacob, of course, eventually cons his father into the blessing of the firstborn that should have been Esau's. Esau hates him for it. Jacob runs away for a good while before they get reconciled. And then it's that Jacob, Jacob's own sons, and Joseph that fall out and lead to Joseph in Egypt. Like I said, the trouble with brothers. And of course, if we turn the pages of Matthew's Gospel on from where we've read today in chapter 10, in chapter 12 we find Jesus has his own trouble with brothers when they turn up with his mum outside, asking to take him home like a good boy so he doesn't embarrass them any further. But the thing is, all these tales speak to us of the human condition. Fights, disagreements, jealousies, rivalries. All of us, whether we like it or not, no matter how much we get on with our actual brother, are afflicted by these things. We're all liable to it in our families, in our friendships, in our communities, in our churches and between nations. It happens all the time, and it happens to the best of us. But when we find ourselves in the midst of all these things, that is not life in all its fullness that Jesus has come to give us. So turning back to that Gospel and the words about the dust. When you read about dust in the Bible, it's usually a metaphor for some form of mortality. We hear it most often in the prayers at a funeral service, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We hear it spoken to us on Ash Wednesday, reminding us of our beginnings and our origins. Remember, thou art but dust, from dust you came, and to dust you shall return. Because we are dusty people. It's woven into our very DNA. And so I wonder, when Jesus invites us to shake off the dust, is he inviting us to rise above our human condition, to grow ever more into our God-given image, the very reflection of God Almighty? Remember, also in Genesis, God created them in his image. Because that human condition, all the disagreements, the jealousies, the rivalries, always, always, always try and drag us back down into the dust. We often have that expression, comparison being the thief of joy. But when I look at Joseph and his brothers and all the other brothers in Genesis, I find that comparison is actually the bringer of dust. And so I find myself wondering today who it is that we find it hard to be around. Who are we compared to? Who do we compare ourselves to? Where are our jealousies and our disagreements and our rivalries? I wonder what words and deeds that have been said to us or done to us in the past that keep us holding on to resentments, not going to talk to that person because they said that thing to me once in, you know, five years ago. How much we hold on to that brings us down. And I wonder what each of us needs to shake off today to get out of that cycle and move more fully towards life in all its fullness. I wonder what we might shake off that would lead to the fullness of life for others. Because forgiveness is ultimately not necessarily for the benefit of the person forgiven. It's often for our own benefit, and actually very often for those who are around us, our friends, our community, our families, who get drawn into that cycle as you cannot let things go. But forgiving is not a magic act, It does not mean you will never be hurt again. It doesn't mean you forget and and don't think of it anymore. And it's not easy, but it is a choice, a hard choice, often to be made again and again and again and again. It is a constant work of shaking off the dust that clings and sticks to us so easily. The disciples in our gospel were going to have to shake off the dust when they are, rec- they are not recognised in their own towns. Remember, they're sent first to the towns where people knew them. They were not going to be honoured there. They would have to let it go, shake off the rejection and the failure. Of course, some of them had an enormous failure to shake off when they didn't say they knew Jesus when they ran away at the crucifixion. And yet, he came back and gave them a chance to shake off that experience, to shake off the dust. Joseph had to shake off the dust when he welcomed his brothers to move beyond all that he had suffered at their hands. We hear all through the gospel of the things that Jesus had to shake off during his work. And I find it really moving that when we look at Jesus, in his very, very person, he is God's own work of shaking off the rejection of humankind right from the beginning. We are made in God's image. We are called to be like Jesus, shakers off of dust. I wonder what God might be calling you and me to shake off today. Amen.